Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Hello, everybody. It's Tom Gray here, CTO at BP Launchpad, here for another episode of Frankly. And today, we have another interesting variant on the scene. So today we are speaking to somebody actually not from BP or the portfolio. We're actually speaking to somebody from the Launchpad tech team. So this is a ton of fun. I always love speaking to members of my own team and sharing a little bit about what they know with other people. So I'm certainly looking forward to this. And today we're joined by Marlena Weber. So Marlena, I know who you are, but for the purposes of everybody else, could you introduce yourself and say a little bit more about what you do here at Launchpad? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Tom. So I'm Malena. I'm Launchpad's user experience specialist. I'm originally from Germany. I studied architecture in Germany and Italy and then came to the UK about eight years ago. I came for my master's in integrated product design and then actually did a PhD in human-centered design funded by Jaguar Land Rover, where I was researching people's emotion and behavior in automotive environments. And then I worked in a few roles from big companies to early stage startups as a UX designer, specialist and head of user experience. And then nearly a year ago, I joined Launchpad. Brilliant. And the story from there, I know. <laughs> and so can you tell everyone a little bit more specifically what you do here at Launchpad? How do you work with the portfolio companies? What do you bring? So as a UX specialist, my role really varies from day to day, which is what I love about it, sometimes from hour to hour, to be fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a high level explanation, I help companies improve their products through product design, UX design and UI design. That really can be helping companies build a relationship with their customers to make sure they have the direct access to the opinions that matter. That can be built a friends of insert company name group that can consist of beta testers and early adopters that we then contact anytime there is a new feature or mock-up to test. Or sometimes I build high fidelity mock-ups to test a concept before it goes into development. Or I facilitate vision workshops to make sure that everyone's on the same page and that there is a clear vision. Or I help with the application of human-centered design methods to improve processes. But yeah, the overall goal is to help our portfolio to scale and innovate through design thinking. Thank you. Conveniently, you mentioned sort of UX and UI and design thinking. And I guess sometimes people get those things all a little bit muddled up in their heads. And they're all sort of related to each other, of course, but they're all quite distinct. So if you don't mind, could you give us a sort of quick overview of the difference between UI, UX, product design, design thinking, etc. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And we do get them muddled up all the time. <laughs> and I think it's a, a big challenge in the industry because the definitions are very blurry. And if you Google it, you will find hundreds of definitions that completely contradict each other. So it's important to clarify in conversations, say it's a, a job interview on either side or, or just a team conversation to clarify what your conversations partner's definition is. So let me give you my own, but this is only one of many. So I would say design thinking is an iterative process with a few different stages. It is used by teams 
and not just by one designer or the design team. And it's used to challenge assumptions, to do user research, to test with customers and to prototype. The most important part of it is to iterate though. And design thinking enables innovation and saves time and resources. For instance, that can be development time or support costs. And not to bore you with numbers, but an IBM report, I think from 2020 on design thinking states that 90% of support costs can be saved through user testing, which is a vital part of design thinking. Most importantly, it has a human at its core and it can be and should be applied by the entire team, not just relying on one designer. So while design thinking is the process and framework, more on the strategy and concept side, UI and UX are the methods and focus on the build of a product. In my opinion, UX and UI work together and sometimes overlap to create a product. And I would say that UX design and research are more on the problem solving and definition side. That includes user and market research, requirement definition, prioritization and the definition of features, things like website structure and architecture, user journeys, user testing and so on while UI design is mainly visual and it's built around the UX. So that includes mockups, high fidelity mockups, animations, icons, illustrations, forms, layout, look and feel. So more, yeah, more the visual side where in my opinion, they overlap is when it comes to content and wireframes. And just one last thing to say on that one, a lot of companies look for a hybrid UX and UI designer, which I don't fully agree with because I think you're either good at one or the other. So ideally you have a UXer and a UI person in your team. So if you had to choose one, I guess, which one depends a little bit on the stage that you're at as a company. Is that fair, Marlena? Yeah, definitely. It's fair enough to have a hybrid in the beginning or have a, say, have a UXer that can also do a little bit of UI, but they're very different jobs. And I think it's quite hard to find someone who's very good at both of them. And very different talents, so you're probably better at one side. And Ichi, you mentioned that UI is the sort of visual side, but am I right in thinking that it's not necessarily the same thing as visual design either? Because, you know, often when people hear you're a designer, they're going, oh, yeah, that's great because I'm terrible at picking colors or I'm not very good at lining stuff up, that kind of <laughs> that kind of thing. It's so slightly different set of skills again, right, in terms of, sort yeah. of visual design. Yeah, it is. I mean, visual design can be graphic design or, or illustrations as well. UI is more on the, on the interface side, so more when it comes to digital products. But quite often, the, the visual designer would go into UI at some point or the, the other way around. There's very similar talents, at least yeah. in my opinion. And I guess thinking more broadly about design thinking, people have heard of it, but sometimes maybe they don't know if they need it. Is there a way that you could give people a sense of when you know you need design thinking or maybe what not having good design thinking in your product feels like? I would in general say that everyone needs, all companies need a bit of design thinking or a designer, but of course I'd say that because it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to make a company aware of their need for, for a designer or the application of design thinking by just asking them a bunch of questions. And if the answer is not completely straightforward or people are not happy with their response, then hopefully they, they will become aware of the need themselves. An example for these questions could be, who are your customers? How often do you interact with them? If a company now has very clear idea of their personas and not the desired customers, but the actual customer and often interact with them, then they probably have that part covered. Another one would be, 
are your products, website and marketing material consistent? Like, do they share the look and feel and language? A way to figure that out is doing an interface inventory where you basically look at all products, website, marketing material, whatever you can get and take screenshots. And if you can find 10 different versions of a submit button, then you probably need a UI designer or a bit of design thinking in your company. Other questions could be, are you collecting any user metrics? They could be qualitative or quantitative, ideally both. Stuff like user satisfaction, task success rate or error rate or return, time on task, things like that. If you do, are you happy with the results or any of the, of the rates dropping? Something else could be, what is your user testing process? How do you identify with features to develop first? How do you prioritize ideas? Or a good one is, what is your process pre-development? How much time do your developers spend on rework? Yeah, and then if you ask a bunch of questions, it's quite um, straightforward to find out if a company needs another designer or more design thinking in their process. And it's interesting because I tend to think of it as being something that you need fairly early in the product development cycle. But actually, it sounds like it's something that's applicable at all stages of the product development cycle. And it's as much about understanding how people interact with your product once it's out there in the market, as it is about kind of speculating about what they might want before you actually release something. Is that right? Yeah, agreed. I think there's still a, a big benefit to having a designer and a design thinking attitude quite early in the process mm. because it's it's going to be much easier to implement a design thinking process before you've actually developed your first product. Otherwise, you're going to have to change everyone's mind about how to do things. So the earlier, the better, really. Which is true for so many things as well, right? I guess it's almost people worry that they're going to overdo things or overcomplicate things. But actually, you know, most things, I guess, scale back to a simpler, better set of fundamentals that are actually always going to be the right way to start. It's the sort of foundational layer, I suppose. And then you can build on it and elaborate on it as you make your product bigger and your team bigger. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like there is this one set process that always works. You have to adjust to right. the company's needs and the business requirements and the, the customer base anyway. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you. And actually, it's funny, sometimes, particularly in some of the more technology-led companies that I talk to, there's this sometimes this attitude that they don't actually need to talk to their customers. And it's not quite as blatant as that, but I think it sometimes comes across as they know their customers because they are their customers. Or sometimes I get a sort of variant on that, which is, you know, we know our customers and we know our customers don't care what it looks like. They care about what it does. But do you ever come across that, Marlena, as an attitude? Unfortunately, yes. And while that might be true, you are still only representing a small group of your customer mm -hmm. base. That's why people come up with personas, because there are different age groups, different demographics, different user types, different user scenarios. So I think it's always worth to reach out to people who share a similar experience, but might be from a different background. And I think sometimes we think we don't care that much what things look like, but in the end, we really do. <laughs> yes, it's, dare I say it, it's a little sort of Android versus iPhone isn't it in some ways you know yeah. certainly the early days of android i think it struggled because iphone was it was an experience from you know the the ux but also the unboxing every aspect of that was something that had been very carefully thought through and 
like you say, people might not think they care, but actually they do care. Yeah, and they want products that are pleasant to use. Yeah, so. and quite often a better visual design also increases the usability. Less buttons, mm. less colors, bigger fonts, less words quite often just make things more usable and make them look prettier. Clearly this is a job, but from what you've been saying, it sounds like it's also a way of thinking. Is that right? If so, is this something that people can incorporate into their own practices, even if they're not a UX specialist? Yes, yeah, so I would say that design thinking is definitely a way of thinking and the UX and UI side is a job and also the methods to apply. Right. You can do design thinking without a designer. The problem is that design thinking involves a bunch of methods from the UX and UI space that someone will have to apply if there is no designer. That can work and it quite often does in startups, but this other person that needs to apply these methods that will probably have a job themselves. And we all know that you can't really do multiple jobs at once, or at least not be good at all of them. So if you turn the question around, a designer cannot do design thinking alone. The whole organization needs to be on board. So if you have a designer and they're working with a design thinking approach alone, there's only so much that they can achieve. And so maybe just really spelling it out for us, what does design thinking really mean and really entail? Well, there are different stages to follow before you go into development. And these stages, they all have different names. Like if you Google design thinking and you look at the visuals, um, some of them say empathize with the customers, others say user research. But in the end, all the stages are very similar. And it just means that you do a lot of research before you even start thinking about developing anything. And then you create mock-ups and you create very quick and dirty ideas that you can then check back with the customers and your clients if they could be useful. And there's a lot of iteration involved in the process as well. So it means you basically make sure that what you're creating is actually what the user wants before you start getting into development. Moving away from that sort of waterfall mindset, doing a lot of design work up front and building a product and then putting it out there into the market, but more trying to get into a sort of tighter loop, I suppose, then of talking to customers and testing things out with customers and really experimenting, I suppose, to try and find better, alternative, different, non in, you know, non-obvious ways of getting things done. Is that a fair, yeah. a fair summary? Exactly. It, it enables innovation. It's basically the idea to try a lot of things and try them quick yeah. and dirty before making them work, make all of the parts of them work. If you can make it look like it works and that is enough to get feedback and understand if Brilliant. that is what the client is looking for. And so maybe to put you a little bit on the spot, if I haven't already, um, are there any examples of design thinking in the industry that you particularly admire, Marlena, that you would point out to people and say that's, you know, a great example of what design thinking can do? Big one I really like is Airbnb because everyone knows Airbnb. If you look at their history, they were actually they had a really, really rocky start. They had nearly zero growth and made less than, I think, $200 a week or something. They tried a lot of things. They looked at their metrics. They worked with a design team and they were completely unsuccessful until they actually went through the use of their product from a user perspective. They went through the entire user journey. And then they realized that all the pictures that were on the app actually looked super horrible. And they had the idea that potentially people were not using the app 
because they didn't want to rent the places because they just didn't look appealing. So what they did is they uh, rented a camera, traveled to New York and started taking better pictures of the Airbnbs that were on their website or on their on their app. And once they were uploaded a week later, their revenue actually doubled. So that was saving the company and turning it into a billion dollar business by just uh, truly taking the user's perspective. There is another one I like, which is the Oral-B and Brown example, where they, they hired a great design team, I think a London design team, actually, to design a new, super innovative electric toothbrush. And they had all these crazy ideas, like integrating a music player and have a tracker for every single tooth to see how good you're brushing in which area. But the design team then took a step back, um, looked at existing products, spoke to the customers, did user research, looked at the problems and pain points. And what they then actually did in the end was they added an on-the-go USB charging and created a simpler way to reorder the replacement brush heads. And that's how they created a a great user-friendly product. I love that. I, I really love that. Yes. I mean, maybe people do want to listen to music when they're brushing their teeth. I don't claim to be the mainstream demographic on that anymore. But I totally sympathize that people just want to be able to get replacement brush heads easily and be able to charge their their toothbrush easily, uh, especially when they're traveling. I love that. That's really interesting. That's great. Yeah, sometimes sometimes the solution is to just fix the existing features instead of getting a bunch of new features. Do the basic stuff really well, actually. Yeah. So obviously you can't name names, but maybe you could talk a little bit about your own experience. Is there a particularly interesting piece of design thinking or UX work that you've done that you could share with us? Yeah. So one of my favorite pieces of work was actually from a previous role. And I was working uh, with an influencer marketing agency. Just to explain what an influencer marketing agency does, because I'm not sure people know. Please. (laughs) They're basically the middleman between the brand and the influencer. So they're like a a modeling agency. The influencer gets money from the brand to advertise their products for Instagram. The followers see the post and want to buy the product. And the brand would go to the influencer marketing agency to find the right influencer to represent them. So I was working with this influencer marketing agency and we started with a design sprint which was borrowed from Google and then adjusted to the project needs and I've organized and facilitated it. And from my perspective, this was a fantastic project and one of my favorite experiences because I was part of it from the first ideas, the interviews, uh, stakeholder interviews and sticky notes to the actual development of the MVP and the iteration and then further development to turn this original idea into a, a full product. A problem around it was that the influencer marketing industry is like, I think it was a $10 billion um, industry in 2020, but there was no proper way, no tool to understand how effective the posts of the influencer actually are. So this agency came to us with this problem statement, and we then developed a product to measure the impact of Instagram posts on the followers through applying a bunch of user metrics and biometric measurements like facial expression analysis and eye tracking. Yeah, and it was super successful and it was amazing to see how from a design sprint with a bunch of really clever people that can lead to an innovative product that basically revolutionized this industry. That's really interesting. Any final thoughts that you'd want to share with an early stage business in particular? Yeah, what I've had a lot in the past couple of years is that businesses see a trade-off between hiring a designer or a developer 
which doesn't really make that much sense to me because they're very different roles. Having a good designer on your team will help you save development time eventually, but that doesn't mean you don't need a developer. And having a bunch of developers will also not mean that will also not mean that you don't need a designer. The later you hire a designer, the more difficult it will be to implement processes. So I wish there wasn't a, a trade-off there. Don't wait for too long to get a designer. 70% of products fail because of a lack of user acceptance. So especially for an early stage business, building the right product, a product that your user actually wants is key. And then I guess if you do hire a designer, don't expect them to fix everything alone and change the world. Design thinking is a group effort and a group responsibility and not an individual one. And a designer will be most successful when everyone's on board. So yeah, get a designer, but do support them. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Marlena. It has been absolutely fascinating as ever. And obviously, I always get the opportunity to bug you with all these kinds of questions when we meet one-to-one as part of the, the Launchpad tech team. So it's been really great to actually be able to talk to you about these things as well and share those things with the people who are listening to the Frankly podcast. As ever, please do check out our website. It's launchpad.com. Till next time, goodbye.